Hello, and welcome to episode 108 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam, and I am joined by Dave. What is going on, sir? Well, recording a podcast. And it only took us about an hour to decide what we were going to talk about. Yeah. So, with all of our preparation leading up to the night that we know we're going to record. Well, it's we've done 107, you know. This is old hat. I was just going to go, we've talked about everything there is to talk about, <laughs> but that's clearly not the case. No. But anyways, uh, we were going to talk about something, and then I vetoed it, and so we scrambled, and, uh, well, we're going to do something else. But before we do that, is there anything that you want to tell anyone? Is there anything I want to tell? Yeah, that sounded like a leading question. <laughs> yeah, uh, did, Overruled. Kind of like, yeah. No, Melissa, I just, I'm I pregnant. Know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> uh, oh, that would be so weird. Just because of how, like, how old Caroline and Olivia are? Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be weird to be like 21 years older than a sibling. Yeah. Although, to be fair, my dad is 27 years older than a half-sister. She's three years younger than I am. So it's out there. It happens. Well, I went to... I grew up with a... Had a friend, a female friend, who had an aunt that was younger than her. So... That was always weird. Her aunt was like in, like when we were in fifth grade. They were like in the same district? Yeah. Like, so like when we were in fifth grade, her aunt was in fourth grade. Oh yeah. No, I have. Yeah. So her aunt was younger than her. Yeah. My, my half aunt, uh, lives in, her spent her whole life in Washington. So there was never any. Interaction. Well, okay. Or, there was one, um, she came to Detroit. And then my aunt took me. Have I told you the story, the baseball game story? I don't think so. So my aunt took me and one of my high school buddies to a Tigers game for my birthday. And she brought her two kids. It was her, her husband, her two kids. And then my aunt Sherilyn was just in town visiting. Because mm-hmm. my aunt really mended the, mended the relationship with her dad, my grandfather. Because he left when she was an infant and... Really, really long story. Anyways, so like she really, she's I think the only one that's mended that relationship. My dad and my uncle don't haven't at this point decided that's what they want to do, which is really sad. I think, but their decision, you know, right. not not my life. And so we're we're uh, you know sitting at the game. And my friend's like, dude, who's the hot redhead? <laughs> and I remember just thinking, oh, you have no idea what's about to come out of my mouth. <laughs> It's like that, sir. That is my aunt. <laughs> what? Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah, happens. It does. That was a weird way to start this episode. Didn't see it coming. No. Uh, that's what I get for asking you dumb questions on the spot. <laughs> you put it right back on me, Dave. You put it right back on me. Oh mercy! All right. Hmm. I don't have anything important to say either. We don't yeah. have any follow-up, which is okay. It's sad, but it's okay. Yeah. I get it. All good. Um, so we're going to do uh, 
some frequently asked questions about the Bible and Christianity. Oh. I found a website. It's the International Bible Society website, Biblica.com. I don't know if they're legit or not, but they have a nice, succinct 20-question list that we're going to not go through all of them. No. Because that's just excessive. And we don't want you to know all the things. Like <laughs> We just want to somewhat. We've got to save share. some for later when we don't know what we're going to do, and we've got to pull out. Yeah some of the 20 questions. All right, Dave, we're mm-hmm. going to do this fun though. There's, okay. There's 20 questions. I want you to pick a number and we'll do that question. 12. Well, it's kind of like deal or no deal. One of these questions could have a million dollars in it. <laughs> uh, 12. What, who, what are the Dead Sea Scrolls? Oh, the Dead Sea Scrolls mm-hmm. were found in a cave. Mm-hmm. I want to say 1966. 1947. I almost said 1948, but then I thought 1948 is the year Israel became a state. This happened just before, before that. Okay. I almost said 40. I really did. And then I was like, no, I'm going to go 66. So um, the scrolls were actually in clay jars. Uh, they're fairly intact, fairly complete. Um, they are not scripture, so they're not the Bible per se, but they are, um, from the time they are from the, uh, this is what I can't remember. It's not G it's before Jesus. Right. So, but it does contain, there are biblical texts in there. Yes. 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 They but can, not they, all of it. But they confirm, like they are consistent for something to be found in the 20th century. They're very consistent with what we know the Bible to be, even with all the, the translations through the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will often say, well, the translation, you know, you slowly lose meaning, blah, 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 like, blah, blah, blah. Haven't you ever played telephone? Yeah, exactly. But the reality is, is when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were in Arabic? Arabic? Um, that I'm not sure of. Um, I have the English version on my shelf at home. <laughs> They were, they were consistent with Scripture, and so uh, they were consistent with what we know of history, and as time has gone by, and they've, um, I'm fairly certain they're, like, uh, the term that's coming to my head is microfished, but I'm sure they were something else. So they were, they were uh, digitally or photograph type thing, and then they were preserved, and... Yeah, so they contained... Every book of the Old Testament except Esther. Oh, really? Yeah. What? Ah, that is impressive. I did not know that. Um, I know they are like incredibly so they, consistent. They, they dated them to the first century AD, which means they lasted almost 2,000 2, years, years, almost. Uh, why are they so important? Uh, says, for example, we have a, now we have a complete book of Isaiah dating from the second century before Christ. It's a thousand years older than any previous Hebrew scripture document that we had before 1947. So they predate a lot of the um, stuff that we had. And then, of course, you get the, the consistencies and the accuracies across that that, as you said, lends serious credence to translation of scripture not being a game of telephone with middle schoolers where balls gets inserted every mm-hmm. other word. Yeah. Which would make the Bible funnier, I, I will admit. <laughs> Sorry for saying that. <laughs> but just, you know, try it and then ask for forgiveness. 
So my mind, I'm sorry. But they were found in Israel, relative relatively close to the Dead Sea, Mm -hmm. and that's and it's an arid desert climate, which is why they, yeah, because of the location, but they were in a cave that was sealed, and because of the the temperate nature that it allowed the preservation of the scrolls being inside the pod and inside the the cave and, and near the water, yeah. So no no New Testament. <laughs> Jesus hadn't come yet. No, yeah. Or no. actually, no, probably wouldn't have been. Well, they're, he da- may, they're dated to the first century AD. So, so he yes. may have been alive, As but just a little written. baby. It's possible. It's yeah. possible. They didn't narrow it down to like, you know, if it was... Because we don't even 100% know when Jesus was born, do we? Um, exactly 2017 <laughs> years ago, Dave. <laughs> On Christmas morning. I don't know. See, that's that's where it breaks down. He wasn't born on January 1st. Well, <laughs> he wasn't born on Christmas either. My grandpa didn't know his birthday, so he just chose September 6th. I, I'm fairly or certain. 4th, I can't remember. I'm fairly certain Wilby's birthday was just chosen for him. Yeah. So, like, okay, I've been having this, uh, and I blame it on Game of Thrones. This like whole like idea of history mm-hmm. and just trusting what books say happened happened and that it was recorded accurately and not altered say to make the victors look I was better. Say the victors, yeah. Uh, and it's just like I, I hardly remember what elementary school was like, and it wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. It was the nineties, <laughs> you know. And people like recording history and what gets saved and what gets, you know, burned or gets, you know... Removed from a pedestal mm-hmm. in the South. Well, <laughs> I wasn't even going to go there with it, but just... Like, trusting, like, what... or n- Knowing what you can and can't trust. And that gets hard with history because none of us were there. No. You know what I mean? But what, what's interesting about the Dead Sea Scrolls is the giant gap between what we have and what we now have and the consistency. Mm -hmm. So you're left with, I think the questions, it was either always BS or it was always accurate. Mm -hmm. It didn't get twisted, you know, in like the year 500 or 600 or 700 or 800, because what we had from the first century matches like I mean I I I don't see a number here, but I want to say it's like ninety seven or ninety eight percent, and then the places where it's different are not not theolo- critical, not theological mm-hmm. issues. Nope, it's like it's it instead of is or like we're talking like very very insignificant minute details, right? Especially in a language like Hebrew or Arabic, where the letters there's no vowels in Hebrew. Those dot points were added at a later date. Um, so the fact that the languages are that complicated and there was so few. like So I, I guess I'm saying all this to be like, there's, there's strong evidence in cases for Scripture being accurate across the millennia because we have something from back then that we can base it against, but we don't have that necessarily with some of history because we only have certain copies from certain eras that are hundreds 
of years after the actual events. Yeah. But that's the only copy we have. So we have nothing to base it against is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Because obviously the Old Testament is, you know, telling the story of thousands of years and, and, you know, tens or hundreds of generations of people. But we have different copies from different points throughout history that we can compare. We don't necessarily have that for certain history books where we only have one copy or we have two or three copies, but they're from the same period. And that's just very interesting to me. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. You know, it's just, I don't know. I don't know, Dave. My brain is, I'm so tired. All right. That was good. Number two. Okay. I just, the only thing I do want to say with that is, is um, almost all of the, well, maybe that's the wrong way to say it. The primary language of the Dead Sea Scrolls is Hebrew. That makes more sense. It does make more sense. So, anyway, it is not the only language. Um, but there is Aramaic. Which also makes sense. Yep. So, um, the other thing that's kind of cool about them, which I'd actually... Um, there was also a guide to hidden treasure in with, there was a treasure map in with the Dead Sea Scrolls. Did anyone find the treasure? That I don't know. Well, that's, you can't bring that up and then just <laughs> leave it as a cliffhanger, man. No. They either think that the, no, it may have never existed or more likely they'd already been found. So, all right. What do we have next? I don't know. Pick a number. Maybe. Oh, I have to pick another number. Um, let's go with three. Three is like a good biblical number. Three. Oh, yes. <laughs> this is disappointing for the number three. Oh no. When was the Bible written? Uh, nineteen forty-seven. No, that was the last question, man. Oh, dang it. Dang it, dang it, dang it. Uh, well, I'm going to say it was written by many, many different people over many, many different times. Yes. So it's not like you can point back to, yes, this was the day the Bible was written. I mean, you know, depending, because a lot of the early old, a lot of, a lot of the entire Old Testament, the narrative stuff is oral tradition. It got passed down from generation to generation to generation. So we don't really know when exactly it made its way onto a piece of papyrus or a, you know, a yep. scroll of it. Um, so that we can't answer. We don't have original copies of any of it that we know of. Um, yeah, they haven't been found yet. But we do have... Lots and lots and lots and lots of manuscripts that are super close to when they would have been written, especially the New Testament. I think I, I, I'll have to look this up. Hopefully, I'll get it in the show notes. Um, that there is more manuscripts of New Testament um, books or New Testament writing, I think, 
more copies within one or two hundred years of the writing date than any other book or piece of writing from that same time period. And it's just like staggering. There's like one to 20 copies of other stuff. And there's like, I think like one to 200 copies of new Testament stuff. Wow. From what that is within that close of a range to when it was actually written. And some books we only have, you know, one or two copies and they're three or four or 500 years after the initial writing. So the, um, the amount and the proximity to the original date is one of the evidences for the Bible being accurate and reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, now, yeah, when the whole thing was written, I mean, you're spanning probably... A thousand years would be my guess. Yeah, twelve hundred was what I was thinking. So, um, but yeah, so I think, like you said, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels uh, are being written by first-hand witnesses, people that were actually alive when Jesus was alive. The Book of Acts was written by Luke, the same author of Luke, the Book Luke. Um. So the book of Acts, you know, people that were there and experienced it. And then, you know, our New Testament are letters to churches, uh, mostly written by Paul. And, I, you know, I, I, I have a sense of, like, when Paul was writing these letters, he didn't think, oh, these are all going to be collected and put into a big book today, and they're going to be on par with the Old Testament that, I call, that he called Scripture, you know. Um, and so all that would have been written within the first century A.D. Um, and then I believe the oldest book of the Bible is actually the book of Job in terms of when it was, like Job was actually in writing first because, like you said, things like, well, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books would have been through oral tradition. Um you know, so there there are things like, you know, the creation story that was written by a non-witness in terms of the 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 creation story, um, and I just think our culture does not quite understand how accurate oral tradition can actually be, because that's not the way we, you know. We know how skewed an oral account can be. Um, so, yeah, written over several hundred years. Uh, the New Testament, when it comes to Jesus, written by mostly firsthand uh, eyewitnesses to what Jesus did. And then um, Paul and in, in his letters, I think all before 70 AD, actually. So... The fall, well, no, is that right? The fall of the temple was 70 AD, so. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Follow up question. Uh, do these podcasts qualify as oral tradition mm-hmm. in the future? Mm-hmm. If they are recounted by our, our. Our ancestors. Yes. If they find it and go, what the heck? Uh, <laughs> Who gave these guys an show on the internet? <laughs> 
Yeah. No, I don't think we're all tradition. That's disappointing. All right. You've chosen number three and number 12. Mm-hmm. What should our next question be? Uh, let's go 17. 17. Oh, boy. In the Bible, we read about the law. What does this mean? <laughs> well, I think we hit on this a little bit when we talked about the Old Testament. And so, um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even back up a little bit. So, Jesus talks about the law. And then he came to fulfill the law and not to, you know, do away with the law. And I think the purpose of the law is to point out to us our brokenness as, as human beings. So I, I, that, to me, is the purpose of the law. Um, there are certainly things in the Old Testament that deal with God's law, and then there are things that deal with civil law and how one should behave as a member of the nation of Israel. So it, it, there's kind of this, you know, there's an element of the municipal code being in there. Um, and then you have the truly like, that like the Ten Commandments, and this is what God expects of us. Well, so yeah, you have, you have that. And then you have like the civil law, but then you also have like temple law and sacrifice law yes. and all of that stuff too, which gets to be, you know, a bloody mess after a while. Yes. And personally, reading the, the Bible, I'm sure there was probably some prestige that went with being um, a priest and... I'm drawing a blank on, is it Levi? Levit- so there's... The Levites? The Levite, Levitical... Priests. Yeah. Priests. And they were the ones that, like, you had to know the law. Well, they were the ones that ran the temple. Right. And so I'm sure there was prestige that went with that. But, like, personally, I when I read it and I look at it, I'm like, I would not want pressure of that. Like, I would not want to have to have bells tied on me because I might die when I'm in the Holy of Holies and they have to drag me out. Well, because I, like I, really you, I like how you assume that you'd be the one going into the Holy of Holies. No, Dave. I'm just saying. I'm just mm, <laughs> Remember what comes after pride. Those she-bears, man. She-bears. Watch out. Oh, speaking of that, okay, we do have a bit of follow-up. Oh, really? Yeah, we're going to totally derail the show for a minute. And it comes from uh, co-host of Mendoza Line, and longtime listener Nick Coates, mm-hmm. who sent me a Facebook, and it was just today. Gosh, that was today. Today has been so long. I thought it was like three days ago. <laughs> it's. Uh, are you familiar with the Babylon Bee? It's like the Onion, but for the church. So it's satir- oh. it's satirical news, but it yes. makes fun of Christians, sure. and it's genius. <laughs> it's so funny. And so the uh, the picture is Tim Keller, mm-hmm. probably my all time favorite. At least current. He's he, Dallas Willard's up there too. Obviously, we've talked about him a lot. But like, as far as like putting stuff out now that Tim Keller, I just you engage he's with. He's great. Um, and the so the headline is a photo of him, and the or the, and then the headline is youth makes joke about Tim Keller's baldness, 
immediately mauled by bears. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so Nick just commented, Cam Brennan, so I would see it. <laughs> and so it's that. I didn't. Uh, I haven't read the article because all I needed was the photo and the, the headline. The, the, the fact that... Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know why we think this is so funny, gosh, what, a year and a half ago? we At least. We made t-shirts about the she-bears that mauled the young men and... First Kings? <laughs> I think it's Second Kings. Oh, God, I'm fired. <laughs> well, I, I don't, don't hold me to that. I'm and, and we were talking about it, and one of us said that pride cometh before the she-bears, and we made a t-shirt about it. That was our first t-shirt. Our second t-shirt, which I think is actually still for sale. I don't think I ever ended the campaign. So do people just get them? If every, they... <laughs> every, like, every couple of days, they close it and ship everything and then reopen it, and I think it's still running. Oh, that's hilarious. That's the Jesus is coming. Look busy. And if you want a hoodie, now's a great time to buy a hoodie. Yeah, I like mine. All right, sorry. I'm going to go check to see if it's open. But yes, uh, Nick, thank you so much for sending that uh she bears joke and Tim Keller is like perfect combination. Yeah, no I kidding. laughed real hard. Might have even woken my daughter up. I can't remember. Oh no, worth it though if I did. All right. Um, yeah, it's it's Second Kings two twenty four. Second Kings two twenty four. I need to I need to put the link to the Babylon B article in the show notes and the um verse. Uh, what Second Kings what? Uh, two twenty four. I totally could be doing this once we're off the air, but too late. All right. Um, what do you? Uh, what question should we do next? Wait, did we answer that sufficiently? What is the law? Yeah, I, I feel don't like know. we didn't, but that's fine. <laughs> you feel like we didn't? But. Well, because I totally cut you off. Um, you were talking about going to the Holy of Holies, and I called you prideful, and that reminded me. Of the she bears, yeah. Um, we probably didn't answer that question as good as we should have, but I feel dirty going back to it, and I don't want to <laughs> go through the purification rites of the law. So, shall we uh, pick a different one? Sure. Three, twelve, and seventeen are off the table, Dave. Three, twelve, and seventeen are off the table. So, um. Let's do number eight. Ooh, all right. Why do some Bibles have a section called the Apocrypha? Because they're wrong. (laughs) All the Catholics just stopped (gasps) listening to the show. We just lost all of our Catholic listeners. Yeah. um, So, the Apocrypha consists of... Well, normally you're going to find you're going to find that in a Catholic Bible. I don't honestly know if there are other denominations that have the apocrypha in the Bible, but um in what they would call the Bible, what they would call scripture. But it's primarily in the Catholic Church and the apocrypha is so even if you don't view it as scripture, it certainly holds some value because there are still uh, historical records. There are still, um, you know, I think there's an element of God 
engaging with humanity in them. Um, but when, and, and this is one of the things that I'm like horrible with is like the canonization of scripture and the councils that met, they had a very, very rigorous vetting process for what they would say fell within scripture. And so there's, I think like first and second Maccabees is in there. I think Bell there's and the dragon. Bell and the dragon where they make this raisin cakes and they kill the dragon with raisin cakes or something. <laughs> um, so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you don't completely just disregard those books at least. Well, I would say for me and where I'm at in my faith, I would not completely disregard those books. They still have some value to them, but they really don't rise to the level of scripture. And one of the things that I would just say is, is if you have read the Old Testament and you've read the New Testament, and then you read the Apocrypha, it just doesn't have the same sort of um, just kind of oomph to it. Uh, it really does almost seem like uh, like a seminary student had an assignment to write a book of the Bible and give it your best shot of making it sound like Scripture and they did it, and it's like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of there, but it's not, it's not uh, completely uh, to the level. So people are welcome to disagree with me as always, but basically, it didn't, it didn't, it was not considered, it was not part of the canon, uh, which I, I don't, I truly don't even know when that happened. Well, there was multiple councils. There was multiple councils. The council, um, council of Trent, comes to mind, but I'm not sure if that's accurate. It's it's been a while since I've been in college, um, but I think the issue a lot of people have with those councils is that they happened in like 400, and that's. I mean, you see, you see listings of scripture before that. But what became canon was, you know, was the church fathers coming together and, 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 you know, theoretically, if, you know, we trust what they say by the leading of the Holy Spirit to put together a canon that isn't going to change going forward. Like, no Gospel of Thomas, that sort of stuff. Yes. Despite what the Jesus Seminar says. <laughs> Those nimrods. Anyways, um, I, yeah, I think I have a copy of the Apocrypha. I have two copies of it, actually. One paperback from college that's probably... No, no, the Dead Sea Scrolls are paperback. The Apocrypha from college is a hardcover, but it's a cheap hardcover. And then when I got the Bibliotheca um, Kickstarter, mm-hmm. I got the Apocrypha included for free, because why not? Wow. Um, but yeah, it's one of those... I like. I liken it to... You know, you read stuff by Dallas Willard or Tim Keller or John Piper or Richard Baxter or um, J.I. Packer or Jonathan um, Edwards or even further back, like Erasmus or some of the other early church fathers. Like, you read it and you take it seriously because it's good, sound teaching. It's expounding upon scripture. And you don't read it and go, well, this isn't scripture, so I can just ignore it. Like, no, it, the reason it's there is, is to help you better understand God, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of Protestants look at the Apocrypha as like, oh, if something's apocryphal, it's of the devil. 
and I just don't think that's an accurate understanding of the reason it's not in the Protestant Bible is because it doesn't meet the standards of scripture as set by the people that built the canon. That doesn't mean that it isn't helpful. Like you said, it doesn't mean that it doesn't contain truth, that it doesn't help us understand God better, mm-hmm. but it's not on the same level as scripture, just like a commentary or a blog post by your pastor or <laughs> a sermon or any of these other, or, or a podcast by two dudes in a basement. None of those are on the same level as scripture. So, you know, you treat them all as you may, but, you know, the Apocrypha is not heretical. It's not satanic. It's not any of those things. It's just a portion of the Bible that the, the Catholics have chosen to include in their canon that we have not. Yes. And, you know, it. I think it, it really is one of those things that the vetting process was... Um, there really wasn't like a lot of debate about vast majority of the things. So like letters by Paul were not debated. The gospels weren't debated. But did he write Hebrews? Well, so that might be, yeah, that might be one of the discussions. And like you said, the gospel of Thomas and, you know, so, so it's truly just this, like, it was very tough to be considered scripture. And then there was kind of this other um, writings that didn't make it in, but. Well, here's a question I do have, and I genuinely don't know the answer to this is all of these councils that determined the canon happened well before the reformation happened. Mm -hmm. And the reformation is what split the Protestants from the Catholics. Mm -hmm. So my question is, how did the Catholics then like, did the Apocrypha enter the question then? Like, was the Catholic Bible and the Protestant Bible the same when the Reformation happened? Or when they split, did the Protestants ditch those books? And that's how it became... Because that's a question I genuinely don't know. Because the timeline doesn't make sense if the Apocrypha was left out of the original canon. Yeah, because you're literally talking about 4th century... Well, 2nd century, 3rd century, 4th century, these and, conversations yeah. are happening. And then like a thousand years later, the Reformation happens. Then the Reformation happens, and so... Um, so that's what I'm not sure about. Yeah, I can't say that I do know much about that either. Yeah, because then you have the catechisms even kind of popping up at that point. Um, catechisms popping up, that's almost like in my memory, the catechisms popped up with the Reformation, but I truly don't know the answer to why the Apocrypha. And actually, I'm having, I'm, I'm fairly certain that it was a pulled in later. And I can't even tell you why I'm having that thought. Of so, there was kind of some date debate about those particular books in the apocrypha, and it was kind of like even early on they were not accepted. And I want to say it was kind of a later one of these later, um, uh, a pope even saying, "No, we're going to take this in as 
Constantine. Like I'm having this. I mean, this is like so like bad because I don't know that this is factual. I don't know why I'm having this like sudden recollection that Constantine possibly was one of the reasons why um, the Apocrypha became part of the Catholic Bible. Yeah, I'm no help to you here, man. Sorry. While you're looking that up, pick another number and I'll take a stab at it. Um, let's do number... Hmm. There's a lot of numbers to choose from. Just got to pick one, right? Okay, we'll go with 13. 13. Why is Cam so devilishly good looking? <laughs> wow, you know he's Irish. That's why. Ah, well, I'm more Scottish than Irish. But don't, don't you would be, you wouldn't be uh, so sure if you knew my name, a full name. Anyways, no, thirteen. Why are there so many versions of the Bible in English? Because capitalism. That's why. <laughs> I, and I, you know what? That's exactly what. <laughs> that's exactly what popped into my head. When you read that question, I mean, I am a I am a strong proponent for the ESV translation, but my God, they have seventy five different versions of the ESV Bible that you can purchase. Like they are making a very, 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 very good profit on all their different types of Bibles, and well, that's and just one translation. Yes, and and I think it's the ESV that does the U version app. ESV has their own app. Uversion is done by LifeChurch.tv from Oklahoma City. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Craig Rochelle's church. But I want to say there's even something like if you want to use the ESV version, you've got like to agree to, to receive their emails or something. Oh, I don't know. I mean, but the ESV is put out by Crossway, and Crossway is a right, publishing Crossway. house. So yeah, I think that's what it was. I, I had to get Crossway's emails to use the ESV and something. So yeah, it, it truly is a capitalism. Um, I think it's even a little bit of a demonstration of what you and I talk about, that Christianity is a thinking faith. It's something that you, sh- you, know, you shouldn't just accept. And so I think there's a lot of smart people out there that like to sort of look at what, you know, the Hebrew says, the Aramaic says, and put it into a practical application. You have people like... Eugene Peterson that created the message that wanted an easy read. So um, that's not a translation. That's or it's a um, oh my gosh, I'm being a smart <laughs> aleck and I can't even think of the word. It's a. Uh, I know what it is. Oh, you're gonna make me suffer. I deserve it. I deserve it. Um, I keep wanting to say metaphor, but that's not. That's not. The, I'm so tired, Dave. Help me. <laughs> it's not a translation. It's a. I don't know. You're the meanest. <laughs> No, okay. <laughs> See, I just called a grown man the meanest. That's how tired I am. Can't even get a good insult in. Um, but back to the translation question. Like, so some translations focus on being like a direct Greek to English or Hebrew to English translation. And in those languages, word order is used for emphasis, not necessarily for grammatical clarity. And so, like, if you read the New American Standard, sometimes it sounds like Yoda is talking. Yes. But they're... they're it's a word-for-word word word translation, and they don't screw with the word order that much. And so that the reason you read 
the New American Standard is you want the closest English version to the exact manuscripts. And so you, you suffer for, from some readability in certain cases. Um, the, the King James Bible uh, is very, very flowery, you know, old English, but it's also based on the most inaccurate manuscripts we have. Don't tell Pensacola Bible College. They'll kill you. Um, they're, they're King James or die down there. Hey, if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Oh gosh. I, <laughs> you're just trying to rile me up. Um, the reason I enjoy the ESV translation is because in my studies in college in Greek, I found that translation to be the most accurate with the translations we were doing in class. And so what the ESV does, and it not dissimilar from the NIV, which was like, you know, the nineties and early two thousands jam <laughs> is it strikes, it seeks to strike a balance between word for word translation and readability. And that doesn't mean that they're making things up and putting things in the translations that aren't there, but it does mean that they're making choices based on word order and intent. And that is a, that's right there. The core of why there are different translations is Greek to English is not always easy. Mm -hmm. There are multiple cases where Greek has three to six words for one English word. Mm -hmm. And so within that, there has to be interpretation of the intent of the author. And then how do we translate that one of the six words from Greek into a more generic English word? Well, you have to understand intent and then context and then translate that into English in a way that you believe reflects what the Greek says. The obvious solution is just to make everyone learn Old Testament Hebrew and New Testament Greek. But that's not going to happen. So the next best option is to have a variety of translations that seek to display the breadth of Scripture in unique ways so that you can compare them. Mm -hmm. <sighs> okay, it's not a translation. It's, it's a paraphrase. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just yelled in the microphone. I meant to take my face away. That was... Anyways, so that was my answer. Did you figure out what you're looking for, Constantine? So, uh, no, I have not, and I'm embarrassed that I even went there, but... Um, I, so, yeah, he did kind of have a hand in some of this stuff, and... I don't know, maybe I just need to cut my losses and move on. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm babbling now, so never mind. All right, I say we do one more question and then I'm going to bed. It's probably a good idea. How about number four? I was really hoping you're gonna say number two, so I can make a poop joke. Uh, uh -oh. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, I'm so disappointed in myself. Number four. This is a good one to end on, actually. Okay. Save me from that 
terrible joke. Uh, what is the main message of the Bible? The main message of the Bible is God's story and his relationship with humanity. And yeah, that ultimately he is God and that he desires to be in a relationship with us. And there's been many different ways that he has tried to do that. And ultimately it took the blood sacrifice of Jesus for us to be in that right relationship with him. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's humanity's story with God and ultimately how he sent his son so he could be, that, that relationship could be redeemed to the point that we could be in relationship with him. Do you have a more succinct way of saying? Maybe, I'm thinking. So yeah, to me, I think, like if someone asked me what the main message of the Bible is, I would say it's a, it's a love story about there God go. and yep. his creation. Absolutely. And then they would say, really? <laughs> or that sounds dumb. And then I would like, yeah, 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 let me explain. It's a story about a perfect relationship that was been broken, how that relationship was redeemed, the sacrifice that it took, and then the resulting, you know, um, relationship being restored. Uh, and then explaining what the sacrifice was, why it was so, you know, crazy for God to sacrifice his son, who Jesus is. And so I think, yeah, you start succinct and then you start adding the layers into the story and then hopefully you can share the gospel. Although I've never had someone say, hey, what's the main message of the Bible? So I've never really been able to test that theory. (laughs) But in my head, that's how it would go. So I know for a fact that's not how it will go in real life. Yeah, but I th- I think a love story is a good I mean it really is. Um because even with the Old Testament again if you read it kind of with a broad stroke I think that's what you're you just see a God who loves us and wants to be in relationship with us and he's not the one jacking it up time and time again it's us. And he really seems to look past that and wants to uh you know, he finds those people that he has those relationships with. King David, you know, there are those people that, um, for whatever reason, it works. But humanity as a whole, it doesn't. That's why we need Jesus. Indeed. Well, that was fun and unexpected. It was fun and unexpensive. Unexpected. Unexpensive, so. yes. It was free. It was cheap. <laughs> My kind of dates, fun and unexpensive. Yes. Um, or inexpensive, because that's the actual word. Um, wow. All right. Show notes, Dave. Mm-hmm. Where can people find show notes? People can find show notes at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 108. Such a professional. <laughs> and they can reach us at hello. Or email us at hello at supermegacorp.net. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Or they can find us on Twitter. Oh, you're killing it, man. <laughs> what's, your, what's your Twitter name? You know what? I don't even know what much Twitter. I think it's David J. Hogue. 
You haven't changed it again, have you? <laughs> I don't really get on social media. I, okay, I, I hate well, to then meet that. If so. you want to talk to Dave, email us. Cause, you yeah. Know, but if you want to talk to me, you can get me on Twitter at Cam Brennan. Yeah. And if you like what we do here or on Dad College or on Mendoza Line or on the blogs that haven't been updated in forever. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. No time, Dave. Nope. None. No time. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. So many good ideas, so little time. Yep. Uh, but anyways, if you like what we do here and you want to help us out, go to patreon.com slash supermegacorp and check out the funds that's happening over there. Yes, please do. We'll be back <laughs> sometime soon. Yes. And I think we have an idea of what we want to do next, but we're not going to tell because we might change our minds. <laughs> we're going to flesh it out a little. Yes. All right. Thank you guys so and ladies so much for listening. Really, really do genuinely appreciate it. Thank you. 108 episodes. I know. It's nuts. Yep. You guys rock. Bye. Bye.